1: Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It Writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is
0: Charlene Schmidt.
1: Charlene Schmidt, we're talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart um, because I don't want to oversell this because I really do feel this way. I freaking love the USS Kelvin, not necessarily the Kelvin timeline or the Kelvin verse or the Kelvin movies, which I do, but specifically the USS. Kelvin, the NCC 0514.
0: (laughs) You mentioned this last week, and I just knew that we had to write this movie, or rather create something around this ship, just because of the enthusiasm you shared about it last week. And I thought, well, hey, cool, I'm on board because the Kelvin is a unique ship. There's a lot of things that we can explore here. That's going to be fun. And that's what we're doing today.
1: And with this one specifically, we know that last week we talked about how we were going to be doing a movie, but as we're talking, it may turn into something else. Like it could be a miniseries or a show or a novel or a comic book, whatever it is. We're pretty much just going to, like you said, just kind of create a story around it, whatever form that takes. We have no idea. We're writing it on the fly as we love to do on mic, on air for you guys, because we, we have not talked about this beforehand off the air. We haven't pitched any ideas to each other and said like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So this is purely on the fly. So I would love to know from you, what did you think when you first saw the USS Kelvin appear in Star Trek 2009?
0: Well, I used the word just a moment ago. I think the word is unique. It's not your constitution class typical, as I like to think of it, like that kind of like that standard starship design. No, mm-hmm. it's 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 just it's a little it's kind of like off-kilter in a way in terms of how it's laid out, but that's what makes it so cool in my opinion.
1: Yes, this is a I think purely from an aesthetic standpoint, I loved how it was how do I put it? It was just a it it, it felt like a Starfleet vessel, like an early Starfleet vessel, like it was very perfectly put as a post nx-01 but pre-constitution
0: right it sort of has like the whole of the nx-01 but then you've got the deflector dish on the top huh <laughs> and <laughs> yeah it, that just i mean you can tell it's distinctly starfleet but it is it is not your typical configuration no
1: yeah and it, it doesn't have the uh it 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 only has one nacelle which is you right. don't see that very often but we have seen it before and so it's not completely unique to the to the Star Trek universe but it is something that is very rare and that's and that's something that I, I really appreciate and it was i don't know why i just i just immediately fell in love with this ship and i i think it it definitely had to do with how great that opening scene was in 2009 how perfect emotional hook that was because you were immediately invested you were like holy crap this is going to be a good movie this is going to be a good movie this is going to be a good movie
0: I mean yeah that had to have had something to do with it that might be the most powerful opening the most powerful five minutes however long it was I think maybe maybe not in all of Star Trek but it's like top five it's certainly the best moment I think of the Kelvin movies period they started out so high (laughs) oh yeah it was insane, but wow, yeah, what a hook! What a way to reel us in! It was so emotional, so powerful.
1: And it was—it uh, has that dark Azteca. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not gradient is not the right word, but texture. cheese. Th- yeah, texture. This Azteca texture that uh, we we've grown to love uh, from the Enterprise D and and beyond, but they applied it to uh, to to earlier works, and it was. And the inside itself, I loved how it felt more advanced than the NX-01, but not by much. Like, it it kept that whole submarine kind of feel. But I feel like, and I know people are going to be pissed at me for saying this, I feel like the Kelvin achieved that submarine, that quote-unquote submarine look, Way better than the nx one did because when Enterprise, when Star Trek Enterprise was in development, they kept saying, "Oh no, you know, like it's going to be less like a luxury liner of the Enterprise D. You know, it's it's going to be less advanced than the Constitution class. It's going to be more submarine-like." And they kept saying that, and when I saw the show, I was like, "Okay, well, I get this. The jumpsuits are much more like a like a, a modern-day submarine." but the inside like yeah it's rounded and sometimes they have to hop over that little ledge that like you do in submarines because it can close <laughs> uh-huh. but at the same time the hallways were so wide that there was no reason to have little lips on the bottom of of the floor <laughs>
0: <laughs> true true
1: but with the kelvin it just i think it just i think it it, it did it much darker and much more mechanical much more physical but yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but please continue.
0: No, no, that's okay. I was just wondering. The Kelvin had a lot of people on it. I remember that. How many people was it?
1: I don't. We don't know exactly how many people it was, but all we can glean is that it was. Pike said that uh, George Kirk saved 800 lives,
0: that's so it what has it was. to be
1: at least 800 people, which is insane.
0: Right. So I'm thinking that amount of people probably contributed to kind of the crowded and constricted feel on that ship.
1: Because how many was in the Constitution class? Like, how many was on the original 1701?
0: Well, it was something like, what, 400? Just rough estimate?
1: I think you're right. I think I remember reading that, that it was a little over 400, because I remember looking it up one time when thinking about Voyager, because Voyager is the same size as a Constitution class, but Voyager only had 130-something, and... Yeah, and the Constitution had over four hundred, so they really packed them into the Constitution-class starships. But then, compared to the Kelvin, right? That's a double. That's insane. I, I, I don't even think the ship is that big because all you have, like, you have one nacelle, then one second, like, one tiny section of a secondary hull, and then one primary hull. Now, I, I know that's saying it out loud. That's how normal ships are, just with without one extra <laughs> nacelle. But it's. But you, if you think about when you mix in how freaking huge the shuttle bay was on the Kelvin, like their yeah. secondary hole was basically all shuttle bay. And so you have just the primary saucer for uh, the primary hole for 800 people. How on earth are you bunking them up like eight people at a time?
0: I think they had to, right? Which has got to make a very cramped living situation. Now I'm wondering as we're talking through this, why so many people on the ship? And then, I mean, is that why maybe, like, I know it's the alternate universe that the Kelvin got destroyed, but is it the fact that you could lose so many lives at one time if the ship is destroyed, that there were fewer people on the Constitution-class starships? I don't know. Just a thought.
1: I I don't know. I don't know either, because it's it's hard to look up the side. Okay, here's the thing, is that we've talked about this before, and I've complained about this online a lot, because... According to certain documents, the Kelvin is as big as the Enterprise D, which is nonsense that's just not true wait
0: really I have never heard that
1: yes because here's the thing is that uh, this whole thing it's a it's a nightmare because the alignment of how big the ships are is like when it was first designed when the, when the Kelvin Enterprise not the Kelvin but the Kelvin verse enterprise was designed it was designed to be about the same size as the original constitution and the refit
0: Uh uh-huh
1: but then what happened was is that the cgi guys the special effects artists the computer artists saw the ship and in order to kind of make it look cooler in front of a planet they more than doubled it i think in size and maybe even more than that i can't remember just to make it look bigger on screen to its surroundings and somehow that slipped in to the official uh, manual and like the official stance from Paramount and Star Trek and everything like that, that it was this sign that, that um, the official, quote-unquote, Kelvin Enterprise was some two, 725 meters long, which is just crazy pants because it was designed to be around 300 meters long.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: when you apply that to the Kelvin it um and so that's why that's why everybody's just like oh yeah the 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 kelvin prize is as big as the enterprise d it's really not if you think about it if you have to disregard what people are saying and go to the original <laughs> intent of the design but that's what makes this conversation so crazy and so weird is because if the kelvin truly was the size of the d then 800 people isn't that big of a deal but right. it's not there's no way in hell it's the size of the d because the kelvin exists The USS Kelvin exists in the prime universe.
0: Yeah, none of this is making any sense. My head is spinning.
1: And we as nerds love this crap and talk about this crap all the time. And so you kind of have to ignore all those things. Because like even on the Blu-ray, like the Blu-ray of 2009, they had a size comparison. Uh And there was even a disparity between what the Blu-ray said to what the official account says. And so there's three different sizes.
0: We don't know what the truth is then. There is no truth. It's all made up and the size doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) All we really know is what the original artist intended and how he designed it. Because if you look at the windows and the distance between the bridge and the back shuttle bay, the rear shuttle bay, then it perfectly lines up with a refit constitution class. But if you expand it, then this, then the windows would be like twenty feet tall, which doesn't make sense on a ship.
0: Mm, no, no, not at all. Okay, wow.
1: <laughs> I choose. I choose to believe that the Kelvin is the same length as a Constitution class, about because that's what it says. Like it's pretty much the same size as a Constitution class, but has even less room because of the freaking shuttle bay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, this is a really long story to say, yeah, 800 people really is cramped.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, who knew we'd be spending the last several minutes talking about the size of the ship and just that alone, but here we are. All right, so, yeah, a lot of people on this ship, and we don't really know a whole lot about what the Kelvin is doing out there, right? I mean, is it just, are they on a five-year mission? They're just exploring space, the final frontier, into the unknown, Mm-hmm. We know so little about this part of Star Trek history.
1: We know so little, but all we, that we do know is from the is technically from the Kelvin verse. And in the said right. Kelvin verse, they really, really loved the USS Kelvin because <laughs> if you look at how it trickled down is that escape pods are no longer called escape pods. They're called Kelvin pods. <laughs> and uh-huh. the, uh, there is the Kelvin Archive Museum. Uh, in in memoriam to the fallen kelvin and and they love the kelvin so much that that was their in universe explanation as to why everybody had the delta shield
0: oh really
1: because if you think about it like that was one big thing is that the delta shield in tos was not universal like the only people who had the delta shield was the enterprise crew that's it
0: right yeah
1: and so and All that we can assume once we move into the movies is that the Enterprise crew did so many cool things and saved Earth so many times that the the Starfleet chose to adopt the Delta Shield as their universal symbol.
0: Uh And
1: uh that's all that we can... There's no official account. That's all that just fans can really think. Yeah, conjecture. Now, Abrams... And this, I think, this was a very smart thing. Is that like he's not going to introduce that into this universe because this universe is supposed to be a little bit more ac- accessible to your average fan, and so he gets that right away. He's like, like he's like, no, in this universe, the reason why Inter- the Enterprise has the Delta Shield is because it's a variation from the Kelvin, and <laughs> that and the, with the Kelvin going, you know, exploding, that was their way to honor that ship. Now, it makes you think, like, was this the first time that a ship? Was destroyed and all like in a very very long time because why did Starfleet overreact to the loss of a ship so bad?
0: It seems possible. I mean, Starfleet yeah. is still kind of in its infancy at this point, as is the Federation. I mean, it's how many years removed is it from Enterprise? It's sort of that it's that bridge between Enterprise and Kirk taking command.
1: Well, it's about a hundred years. Oh, okay, I think. it's
0: longer than I thought.
1: I, I I could be wrong, but I remember like you know, because you know, like this is uh this is twenty-third century and enterprise was twenty-second century, give or take a, a decade or two.
0: Right. Okay, but still, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're still figuring things out. Space is still vast. Oh yeah. And oh, that's absolutely. a huge loss of life of people.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, because we often hear, like, from the twenty-fourth century how the twenty-third century was really much more of a rough-and-tumble, wild wild West. Uh huh. So by that logic, then the 22nd century was much more of the days of, uh, of old sailing ships.
0: <laughs> right, they didn't know what they were going to find.
1: Yeah, and I, I find that fascinating. So I feel like, with, and Kelvin is in between that. You know, it's like it's in between the NX-01 as well as TOS. So we have this kind of this gray area of whatever the hell they want to do.
0: Kind of a little bit of both, maybe.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: There's a certain amount of explored space, but there's still, for as much as they know, there's as much that they don't know at this point. So it's going to be, I'm I'm really curious as to where our story is going to go just because of this particular time period. But before we get there, I want to talk about our main characters. Because this film has got to focus on, well, maybe three people. I almost said two, but it's really got to be three, right? It's got to be the captain whom you love and mentioned last week. George Kirk, father to James T. Kirk and Winona mm-hmm. Kirk, mother to James T. Kirk.
1: That's right, that's right. And if we we're going to keep this in the prime timeline, which obviously we have to unless we make this a prequel to the Kelvin ver- Actually no, either way we do it. If we make it a prequel to the Kelvin to the Kelvin <laughs> <Right>. event, <laughs> it's one then of the it's same. still in the prime, it's still in the prime universe. So Yep. Yeah, so those are the three main people that we see in at the beginning of 2009. I love Captain Reboot there's really he's just one of those characters he's just like the kelvin to me where we get so little of him but it's so epic right off the bat that i immediately connected with him and i just i just want to see more
0: right yeah he is very distinctly the captain of that ship he's got that cool calm collected manner he's in charge he's very direct yes you know every word packs a little bit of a punch that's what i get out of him now my backstory that I've created <laughs> for this captain is he is grooming George Kirk to eventually become a captain himself.
1: Hey, I'm I'm all for that because um, it's interesting. One thing that always kind of bugged me about Voyager was that Chakotay was technically a lieutenant commander, uh uh-huh. and but he was the first officer. And Janeway's first officer before Chakotay was a lieutenant commander, and we'd uh-huh. never seen that before in Star Trek. I don't think, where if you were an XO, you were a full-blown three-pip commander. Now, George Kirk is a lieutenant commander, but the XO of the USS Kelvin.
0: This is a thing that Star Trek screws up a lot. Are they lieutenant? Are they commander when they're lieutenant commander?
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they often have, like, I think they call, I think Spock at one time referred to George Kirk as a lieutenant, even though he was a lieutenant commander. So that would have been incorrect. But he is seen wearing... Lieutenant Commander Stripes uh-huh. on screen. So that means he is a Lieutenant Commander and he's called Commander by Rabot.
0: So, right. Which one is it? Pick one, please.
1: So he is he is a Lieutenant Commander because you can call, as, as we all know, you can call Lieutenant Commander Commander, but I don't think you can call them a Lieutenant.
0: Okay. Again, my head is just spinning with these weird technicalities today. <laughs> I'm really waiting for the caffeine to just kick in and make sense of the world.
1: And it makes you wonder, like, what happened because he is young. Like, he's under 30. Like, he's 29, I think. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. I looked up the biography of George Kirk prior to recording. He was 29 when he saved ship and crew.
1: He's 29. And that was, like, that was addressed in Beyond because Kirk was now older than his father.
0: Right. When they're celebrating his birthday. Yep.
1: Right. And so it makes you wonder, at 29... XO of a ship but not yet commander it kind of makes me wonder that maybe there's a story there where the XO, the original XO was a commander and either was killed or fired or transferred or something happened where he was the second officer and then was promoted real quick to the first and then a little bit later he's promoted to captain real quick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, things moving just a little fast for this guy. I didn't think too much about this particular aspect of things. I just always assumed that he was the first officer.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, this is what we're doing here. You know, we're talking about, like, what happened here? (laughs) Like, what kind of story do you want to go with? Um,
0: Right. Like, I don't know. It's never specified how long he was a first officer, which is what you're getting at, though, right?
1: Right. And so what we do know is that if this was in the prime timeline... Or that James T. Kirk would be born on the USS Kelvin,
0: but he was born. What is it, Riverside, Iowa?
1: Well, see, okay, that's the thing, is that maybe he's from Iowa, like it's called the birthplace of James T. Kirk. But according to these movies, right? Like he was, like he was born in space because yeah, if the if the Narada event never happened. Then he still would have been born have... on the
0: ship, right? As long as Winona Kirk is on that ship, he's going to be born there. Although, I've ha- I have heard somebody say, with the technicality that she went into early labor because of the stress that was happening on the ship, and that's why he was born. Then,
1: okay, yes, yes, that that's totally a real thing. But totally for the a real sake thing. of
0: this movie, how are we going to get them to Iowa so she can give birth? That makes no sense.
1: Yeah, because it could because according to his. His memory alpha, it says he's born Iowa, March 22nd, 2233. Uh And we know that the Narada incident happened in 2233 as well. But we don't know exactly what day. You know, we don't know if it was (laughs) March or April or anything like that. And so, yeah, I think all we can think about is like maybe they were on their way home. And they got stopped by this or like this was Hmm. their last mission before they went back home.
0: Okay, well, that would make some sense because obviously, I mean, she's very pregnant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Space is maybe not the most ideal place to give birth, especially at this time where I doubt there's a, a nursery, for instance, in sickbay, that sort of a thing. They're not really thinking like that at this point. So it would make sense that they'd be heading home to where they'd have better care, better accessibility for baby needs and caring for a newborn, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah. It's interesting. I never really thought of that before because I I always just assumed because of this movie, I thought like, oh, he's just from Iowa, not necessarily born there.
0: Oh, and I had the opposite. I thought he is born in Iowa. That's why he is from there. (laughs) That's where he grew up. That's where he was birthed. Now, I think there's still motorcycles going on in this prime universe. Just want to throw that in there because I want our movie to feature George Kirk on a motorcycle. (laughs) at some point but that's I'm getting ahead of myself
1: yeah okay so like now that we we have talked for a very long time about all the intricacies of Kelvin what makes it different what makes it similar how it's in the Kelvin verse how it's in the prime universe and everything like that so what is the story that you want to tell like this this is that thing like do we do we want to make it the story of them getting back just in time for him to be born on earth is it important to George and Winona for their son to be born on Earth instead of on a starship, you know, like do we want to make it that story, or do we just make it about him becoming the XO, you know, with with Captain Rabot, you know, grooming him to to one day take command of his own ship?
0: Hmm. What I I don't know. There's so many different directions this thing could take, and maybe we end up with some sort of slice of all of them. But one thing I really want to focus on is the relationship that Captain Rebeau has with George Kirk and almost like, I don't know, tempering him in his ability to command, to be a leader, to achieve his goals. Like maybe in the same way that Jim Kirk was the youngest person to achieve captain, maybe George Kirk was on the fast track to being the first of his time he was like this real hot shot and Rabot sees his potential, but he needs a little conditioning. I almost see like them almost kind of like, they're really tight. It's almost like a buddy cop type of adventure, maybe them going on.
1: That's interesting. Um...
0: But I also want to focus on the relationship George and Winona have, because that's completely unexplored territory too. How do we tie all of this together? I have no idea at this point. <laughs> well, what,
1: what we do know is that James T. Kirk often spoke of his father as being his inspiration for joining Starfleet. So this is true. You so
0: you know what? Maybe the, the goal, the end result of this film should be understanding and maybe us admiring ourselves, George Kirk, for being the father of James Kirk.
1: And also he lived long enough to actually see James, Jim, become the captain of the Enterprise. So he lives a long, awesome life.
0: Right, he's not killed at 29.
1: He's not killed at 29, and that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. And uh, it's kind of it's one of those cool things where you find out where Archer was alive to see the launch of the Constitution-class Enterprise ship.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: it's just one of those little tidbits I love in Star Trek. Um, yeah. I like the idea of, like, we know, I know so little about Winona Kirk.
0: Well, uh, yeah, we don't know hardly anything. And what we do know, I think, is Kelvinverse- timeline where
1: mm-hmm.
0: she's off planet and then there's that whole scene where young Jim Kirk is riding or driving the car uh <laughs> I mean is that it? We don't know what she did for a living, we don't know how long she lived, how she died. Nothing.
1: Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. We know we know so little like it's it's just that uh
0: So we've yeah, got to that- create these characters. What is Winona Kirk doing on the Kelvin? Because would this just be Starfleet personnel at this time? Does that mean she's a Starfleet officer?
1: I feel like... Th- I mean, like, we didn't see any families on the Constitution class. We didn't no. see any... Um, I don't even think that we saw any spouses on the Constitution class starship. Where? Did we?
0: Um, we did see that couple that got married in right. an episode. Only but to- did they stay
1: <laughs> but did they stay on, on the on well, the enterprise? The,
0: the groom got killed just like a day or two you know whatever the mission I don't mm-hmm. remember the episode exactly, but he got killed almost immediately. So that ended that.
1: So we could think that maybe there is a reason why Winona Kirk is on the Kelvin besides just being pregnant and married to the XO. You know, like, ma- yeah. like there could there could be several reasons. Like, maybe if you're a bridge officer, you can bring your spouse and your family, you know, on, on the Kelvin, something like that. Or maybe she had some sort of scientific reason or diplomatic reason or research reason to be there.
0: Right. And I feel like we should give her a little more, like, we should give her a career reason, not just because she's pregnant. But I think maybe they're giving her a little bit of extra special treatment just because she's expecting their child. But... She's serving a purpose on the ship. I want to say maybe she's an archaeologist. They're exploring ancient civilizations and ruins as they're exploring space. I don't know. Just a thought.
1: I don't know. There's there's several different you know different ways that we can go about it. But I I think that's one thing that we could do is that we maybe maybe the movie is more about them, you know, as about
0: George and Winona.
1: About George and Winona. Like, that's one thing. Like, maybe we don't necessarily write that movie, but we talk about what movie we wanted to see. Like, what Mm. if we saw the George and Winona story and we see them and, like, maybe Rabot is involved in that in some way, where maybe Rabot and Kirk have a long history together like Pike and Jim do.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Maybe, like, if Pike, like, in Prime Universe... Kirk's dad was the reason why he got into Starfleet. In the Kelvin universe, Pike is pretty much the reason. Yeah. And so what if Rabot was the reason that uh, George Kirk got into Starfleet with the insistence of Winona? Like, Winona was just like, yeah, you should do this. You You totally can do this.
0: Ooh, I kind of like that. Yeah. So... What is George's reason for joining Starfleet? What does Rabot say that convinces him to do it?
1: And why is he hesitant?
0: Right. Yeah, because we don't really know who George Kirk was outside of Starfleet. Um, is Ma- he a little bit of... Uh, I don't want to go this route. I was going to say he, he too was a little bit of a bad boy. And he liked <laughs> trouble. Or... Maybe another route. Maybe he just wanted a simple life. Maybe he wanted to be a little farm boy in Iowa. He, maybe the family has a farm and yeah. he's just like, I want a simple life. I'm not looking for much. I just want to be happy and do my thing. And Winona, on the other hand, maybe she's the one who wants to venture out into space saying, look, my career is taking me this way. If you do Starfleet, maybe we could be out there together And he's doing it for a girl. I I don't feel like that's enough. He needs more of a reason.
1: What if we go into the opposite direction? Like we take what you said, but kind of flip it on its head where he wants a simple, I like your idea of like, he wants a simple life. Maybe he's, you know, he's really good at what he does. Like he's really good technically. He can tear apart a tractor and put it back together in less than a day, you know, and um, like he's really great with all the machines on the farm and he meets Winona And he is just like, man, he's like, I'm going to marry this woman. This woman is amazing. And then someone comes around. Like maybe some event happens where George is a hero on on Earth. Like something happens where he saves somebody or because of his ingenuity or his intelligence, he's able to divert a disaster or stop a disa- disaster once it's already started and save a lot of lives so we kind of reproduce what happened in 2009 but he survives and then that gets the attention of lieutenant commander rebeau and uh-huh. and lieutenant commander rebeau is just like goes to his farm and says like i want to thank you for saving my life i want to thank you for saving all these people's lives and um starfleet thinks that there is a place for you in star in like uh, among our ranks and he's just like, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm just a farm boy. It's cool. I'm I'm here in Iowa and I'm just I'm just gonna stay here. Plus I met a fancy new lady and um you know, like I don't if I if I if I go into space then I'm gonna have to leave her behind.
0: And I have an idea. Here comes the twist. In Steps Winona, Rabot says, Meet my latest recruit. And he's just like, Oh, I'm gonna have to go to the academy to stay in touch with this lady.
1: I think we can go in that direction but maybe not make it so simplistic like okay um, so I liked your idea of her of her career taking her into space uh huh where like it's it's unknown to him at first where they start a relationship he knows what she does um, but it's not in space yet and so their romance is growing and her career like after After Rabot, you know, reaches out to him and uh, he considers it, Winona at first isn't sure, you know, like, maybe you should do it. You shouldn't not do this just because of me. This -hmm. is still early in our relationship. And um, so she tries to push him to do it. And then she, like, some crazy, like, as time goes on, like, some crazy, uh, something happens that allows her to go into space, not on the Kelvin, not in starfleet but something takes her to space and she says you know i'm going to be working in space i'm going to be doing this i'm going to be going from station to station or something like that and i'm not going to make it back to earth that often but if you actually do go into starfleet then there might be a chance that we would get together again Hmm. something like that what do you think of that
0: i think that's one good half of what we need to tie together. The other half maybe being that after George has that incident where he does save some lives, it sparks something in him. Maybe he realizes I have a little more of a taste for adventure than I thought I like enough that. to where maybe he feels like he could leave his farm life behind. Maybe realizing, you know what? Maybe I'll do this for a little while and have amazing experiences. I couldn't otherwise have. And I'll come back and retire and do the farm thing, and then I'll relax. But you know what? You live only once. YOLO. I'm gonna go oh off, God. and I'm gonna have the time of my life. Maybe like it. It makes him see his untapped potential, and then Rabo, Rebe- just kind of pushes him. And then the fact that is gonna be out there, he's sunk. He knows what he has to do.
1: I do. I do like that a, a little bit better. That like he like there needs to be more motivation on his part, and I like the idea of that. Yeah. He gets a taste of. um uh, he gets a taste of um, of adventure. One thing that I thought about that could be good for the adventure is basically I like the idea of mirroring Jim Kirk's journey in 2009 Star Trek. Because one, thi- like, one big question is like, why the hell are they making starships in Iowa? You know, like on the <laughs> right. ground. What sense does that make? And uh, like some were made in San Francisco, some were made in Iowa, and some were made in space. Uh-huh you know like what's going on and so like the the Kelvinverse changed the USS Enterprise being being made in San Francisco to being made in Iowa and then some people are like that's a little convenient you know like being in the birthplace of Kirk you know like what what the hell is that all about and i saw one person say that it makes sense because if something goes wrong say some, say they install the the warp drive wrong say that something goes wrong with the antimatter That they're installing and that explodes like are you going to demolish an entire city like san francisco that's heavily populated or do you want to do it out in the middle of nowhere in iowa so maybe the 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 death and the destruction of the kelvin made starfleet a little bit more cautious in everything so they amp up their fleet they get more powerful weapons but they also are more defensive as well And that's why they go to to Riverside, Iowa. But then I just realized that we're in the the prime timeline, and none of that makes sense. Um, (laughs) So what we we have to say is that they were testing out building ships in Iowa while at the same time testing stuff in San Francisco. Um, So Mm. there you go. That's taken care of. So what if the incident was they were building a ship in Iowa, and it was the first ship that they ever built in Iowa, and something did go wrong like there was a meltdown there was gonna be crazy george kirk's riding on his motorcycle Hmm. and he sees something go down and so he goes he goes towards the danger instead of running away like everyone's everyone's saying like get back get back go go sir in the opposite direction like all these starfleet officers all these engineers are saying it's gonna blow get away get away and uh he sees that people need help and so he goes into it and uses his intelligence and his knowledge of fixing tractors (laughs) like space tractors (laughs) like future tractors and um
0: he's like a midwestern trip tucker
1: yes yes perfect
0: (laughs) you know i'm i'm envisioning this scene in my head yeah it's rural iowa he is on his motorcycle maybe he's got winona on his back because one thing that we do know is that would drive her crazy is when he would put Mm -hmm. her on the motorcycle and drive around a little recklessly, a little carelessly, just scare the bejesus out of her. She hated that. It's like the one thing we actually know about her. So it'd be kind of fun to see that. And then they drive right into danger. He does his thing. And that's where he meets Rabot.
1: And what if, I mean, I know this is a little small universe syndrome, but what if they're building the Kelvin in Iowa and Rabot is just like, I'm going to be the first officer of this ship and I'll be in charge of getting some of the crew on board and by the time that the Kelvin is finished, I'll be a commander and you'll be out of the, out of the academy.
0: Hmm. Do you suppose he's got enough motivation at this point to want to join up and be with Rabot? I don't know why he, I mean, aside from saving his life, why would he do it? I mean, he's just ready to go about and do his life. Like, yeah, I'm still cleaning up the debri- the debris from the explosion in my field. What more do I want to do with you? You've been in trouble enough. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Well, I think what as you you already addressed that by saying he gets a taste of adventure. Like he realizes That's that true, like yeah. he he thought he loved his simple farm life, which he does and did, but then he gets this taste of adventure where it's just like. You know, like I got, I got to get more, and then maybe there is a storyline of like, oh, are you just a thrill seeker now? Because Starfleet is not about that. Starfleet is not about thrill seeking. It's about diplomacy. It's about exploration, and like, and George is just like, yeah, but in exploration, there is an inherent danger, and there is you need people with level heads or something like that. So I don't know. Maybe it's the reverse.
0: No, you know what, Tristan? I think we need to turn the tables on that, where it's Rabo saying that, where it's. Hey, there's a lot of vast unknown out there. We need people who are brave and smart, like yourself, who are willing to take calculated risks. I mean, you fit the bill, George.
1: What if we got this all wrong? What if George saves Rabot's life, but Rabot doesn't think he would necessarily be Starfleet material? But George Mm. Kirk is the one who's just like, no, you don't understand. I could totally do this. And... And they have that back and forth. So it's it's an analogous to Pike and Jim, but the reverse of it, where George has to convince Rabot instead of Pike having to convince Jim.
0: So, okay, George gets that taste of adventure. Maybe he sees Rabot, oh, I don't know, a few days later, after everybody's recuperated a little bit, in a bar, maybe, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. for more parallel. And he says, you know, I've been thinking about joining up with Starfleet. What do you think about that? And and Rabot says, you're just a farm boy now i appreciate what you did but Mm -hmm. we need people who are the best and the brightest and maybe that is what triggers George into saying hey look you have no idea i will show you yeah and then that ultimately maybe that yeah i think you're right that'll solidify that bond for those two where george does prove himself he is smart he is capable he can think on his feet he's exactly what starfleet needs and that makes them like this really solid command team eventually on the kelvin
1: and maybe there's something along the lines of like he missed the deadline to apply this year to the academy, and uh-huh. and he needs a sponsor to get yes. in.
0: Yes. So then maybe like hey he knows that, and Rabot's they just kind of eh, I'll consider it.
1: Like just wait till next year and you won't need a sponsor. And he's just like he's like no I got to get in right now, and um, but
0: then the following like mere hours later he gets the call suit yeah. up you're going on the ship
1: and so maybe what we this movie could be about because here's the thing is that like say Winona was in Iowa uh-huh. and George goes to San Francisco or hell maybe um mm, okay we're, we're we're jumping all around here but let me we know are, if this we is are. stupid let, let me know if this is stupid okay so what if Winona is in Iowa but she's not from Iowa she's not she doesn't live in Iowa she's actually from California. And uh-huh. so one a one like he wants the adventure, he wants to go into Starfleet and he wants to do what Rab- Rabot does cuz he really like admires Robo, but at the same time that pretty girl that he uh, that he met in Iowa lives in San Francisco or lives in California and he would have easier access to her mm-hmm. if he went to Starfleet.
0: So what is she doing in Iowa then? Like I don't
1: know. Whatever reason
0: you want to give, I mean, like
1: she's she's visiting family or something like that.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I suppose. I kind of want to make her a Starfleet officer because then she's out there just helping recruit. You know, as a like a very like as a first year cadet, she's out there sharing her experience so far, saying, "Hey, this is why you should sign up."
1: I think the reason why I don't want to make her a Starfleet officer is because then. It would be, mo- it would be too much of a push of oh he's just joining Starfleet because of her pretty face, and yeah. or because he likes this girl. But with her just being in San Francisco or being in California, that's just a plus for him, and so that doesn't make it the main the main reason. That's the that's the reason why yeah. I don't want to put her in Starfleet.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, I'm not my heart's not set on that. So fine, we can go with that. She just she's a civilian. I like the idea of her living in San Francisco though.
1: Yeah, like she's a civilian, but she works a lot with the Federation. I mean, works a lot with Starfleet or something like that. Maybe she was developing some new technology that the Kelvin is testing or something like that. Maybe she was mm. maybe that's why she was in Iowa is because she was she was the one who was supervising some installation of something that was unique to the Kelvin in Iowa that she developed in San Francisco.
0: Nice. Like it. That gives her much better of a cause and that would also explain why she's on the kelvin later
1: yeah even though this is many years later because you would need some years between you know going to the academy and becoming a lieutenant commander unless you were jim kirk where it just happens overnight
0: (laughs) yes but alas we are not in the kelvin verse so that's not happening but yeah i think i don't know is it something really important like i don't know the deflector dish that she's developing
1: I think that's a great idea because I was going to go something with like long-term space travel where that would give her a reason to be a civilian on the Kelvin or, or something yeah. like that where she's just like, I helped design this deflector dish, but we need to test it for years in deep space. And this yeah. is, there's, no, there's, no short, there's no short trips around this. Like we need years of data. It in needs order to be to- tried
0: and true before they put it on every other ship in Starfleet. And the only way to do that is to keep developing it, to keep growing with it, to fix bugs as they go along and test it out in real time in deep space. She has to be there to solve these problems.
1: So let's say that she's a little bit older than George.
0: I like it. Cradle robber.
1: Yeah, let's make her a little bit older than George because that would give her more reason to to be a little bit more advanced in her career than George. So like maybe yeah. she's a little bit older than George and George is a little bit older than... 18 like he's not eight, he's not academy age
0: okay so maybe like, i don't know 20
1: 20 like early 20s i want to say like early 20s and she's maybe like 25 26 27 somewhere around in there so like he's okay. 22 she's 27 and uh so she has a career already and she never really wanted to she never wanted to go to the academy and she doesn't want to be an enlisted woman In in Starfleet. Like, maybe growing up
0: in San Francisco, all she heard about was Starfleet. And so she kind of had that knee-jerk reaction of, I want to do anything but Starfleet. And then, lo and behold, she ends up getting some ties to it anyway. Just because she's so well-connected, being in San Francisco, okay, but I'm not going to be an officer, so there. Right. she, like, like, I don't know, has a mixed attitude towards Starfleet, maybe.
1: Yeah, like, her being a civilian was very important to her. Like, I'm a scientist. I'm an engineer
0: she got to be on her own
1: i'm a civilian but i like the idea of maybe maybe george saved rebo's life as well as winona's mm. you know during the incident well and i mean so, yeah yeah and that's how they met so like he met, he met he meets a pretty girl he meets a pretty cool guy and like a relationship was born and he's it's open up he it's op- they both have opened up a brand new world for him yeah that's well beyond well, the what farm.
0: if okay no actually i was thinking if Winona's on the back of the motorcycle while they run into trouble and that ultimately leads to him meeting Rabot she had to have met or they have to met earlier but maybe like it's he they both know it's maybe going to just be this short-term fling while she's there and so be it they're having fun and however long it lasts it's however long it lasts
1: I like that I like I like that better where maybe yeah she's on the she's on the bike with him yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, drive by the ship. I'll, like, I'll show you where I'm working or something yeah. like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just, you know, he's going to humor her. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. And there you go.
0: Nice. Well, I hate to say it, but we probably need to use this as a stopping point for this week, even though we have not written hardly anything.
1: We don't really have a climax for the story. We kind of have just have the beginnings of a story where I think what you could do is, is that spend more time on the Rabot kirk relationship at the academy and after the academy and then it kind of culminates with him maybe as an ensign or maybe he had such high marks uh at the academy that he went straight to lieutenant
0: maybe maybe
1: instead of ensign and lieutenant uh like lieutenant junior grade or something like that or lieutenant senior grade Uh and so like he skips that that rank and that gives a little bit more credence to going from um getting to a lieutenant commander and an xo from 22 actually no so if he's 22 four years later that's 26. 26 he's 29 that i think uh yeah you would might need to jump a couple of ranks so he i think he needs to be a you lieutenant would. straight out it of, would, but that's you know.
0: why he would be kind of that hot shot
1: yeah i mean if kirk can go from uh from cadet to captain i think we can assume <laughs> that kirk I mean, george kirk can skip it down for rank. the
0: prime universe for sure yeah so I think I think that works. So yeah, really, we've, we've not written a story, but we have explored these characters and the time they're living in and what are they doing? How are they doing it? We've at least got a start here.
1: And I think what you can do is just like, okay, so like once he's a lieutenant and he's on the Kelvin with Winona, with Rabot, who is the XO, uh, and some captain that we have not explained yet, they go on an adventure and they save the day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We've got that That's buddy cop thing that
0: I was talking about earlier. They yeah, it's a popcorn action flick. Yeah, some probably some two-dimensional bad guy, unfortunately. I don't know. What? Klingons maybe for a real classic adventure?
1: Well, I think I, I think what it could be is that like the first act is him meeting Winona and Rabot, and the first act ends with him saving their people's lives. Then the second act is his time at the academy. The third act is on the Kelvin. Saving the day on whatever that is.
0: Hmm. Now that's a good arc. How does it all tie together with one story? Don't know. Do we want to explore this next week?
1: I don't know if I want to explore it next week, but okay. I think one one thread could be just the relationship of George and Winona. I think that like that's the biggest draw is that like maybe this movie has more focus on the relationship than any other Star Trek movie, where you have science fiction as the background
0: hmm interesting thought some people are going to love that some people are going to hate it (laughs) Yeah.
1: and whether that's a movie or a novel maybe that would make a better book than it would a movie
0: that's what i'm thinking tristan yeah yeah i was thinking this is not a movie at all at least not right now it's not i mean if you tried to pitch this people would just say boring but it would make a great book
1: yeah i think so i think this is a book there you go
0: okay cool well that's it all right
1: well, that's, that's our show, folks. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it. We, we went all over the place, but I think we, f- we landed in a spot that was, uh, that was something beneficial because when it's on the fly, you have no idea where you're going to start. You have no idea where you're <laughs> going to end, but hopefully, the journey is the most entertaining part. Now, please go back and listen to our previous episodes by going to the nerdparty.com punch it, and uh, if you have the time, please give us a review. If you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll mention you on the show. And uh, you can find us all over social media speaking of, uh, of iTunes. you can find us on social media by going to the nerdparty.com and finding us on Facebook on Twitter on Instagram we're all over the place and uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin
0: You can find me at Oh the profanity.
1: Now, next week, uh, we have something a little, uh, I I don't want to say special, because, well, I mean, every episode's special. Uh, But next (laughs) week, we're going to be doing something that we, a format that we haven't done in a long time. But no matter what it is, we're going to punch it.
0: Ready for warp, sir.
1: Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.